I'm Mo Amir, a basic bro podcaster who loves yoga, kombucha, politics, and stand-up comedy. And I'm Megan Edwards, a radio announcer, author, and entertainment reporter who has a strong opinion about, well, about almost everything. We connected after both appearing on a reality TV dating show where neither of our dates worked out because... Well, let's be honest, we didn't have our shit together. But here we are, offering you life lessons that we learned the hard way. This is Get Your Shit Together with Megan Edwards and Mo Amir, two people who do not have their shit together. My name is Mo Amir, and if you're a subscriber to This Is Van Color and you're wondering what is happening right now, let me explain. My friend Megan Edwards and I have created a brand new show, this show, Get Your Shit Together, on the This Is Van Color podcast feed, which we will release periodically. The whole premise of the show is that we will share a life lesson with you, a life lesson that we learned the hard way so that you can get your shit together. Now, we don't pretend to have our shit together, but we're all trying our best, right, Megan? We really are. And we're going to share lessons about everything. Health and wellness, dating and relationships, career, family, whatever lessons we have learned, we'll share them with you. And sometimes we'll have a guest, like today, for our launch episode. We are talking to a woman who has done about 25,000 interviews in her career. Yeah. And it all started on a dare. As it does, you know. (laughs) Since then, she had Regis Philbin tell her she had what it takes to be a successful TV show host and hosted Urban Rush and The Rush on Shaw TV for 17 years. These days, she's a freelance TV host and producer working with Global TV, Investment Pitch Media, and Hubcast Media. Now, if you live in Vancouver and haven't heard of her, you've been living under a rock. It's the one and only... Fiona Forbes. Hi, guys. Hi. Hi. The Hi. legend is here. The ledge. Don't call me a legend. <laughs> Seriously. That's make me sweaty and weird right off the top. <laughs> That's what we're going for. Yes. Full vulnerability. Yes. Okay, I'm going to try and take a compliment. Thank you so much. When I first moved to Vancouver, I looked up the media personalities here, and you were one of the first ones that came up, obviously. So I started mm-hmm. to intern at um, Shaw TV. I was so intimidated and scared of you. Like, I was like, really? oh, my God, she's like on TV, and she's so cool. Yeah, but I was. But now that you know me, you know I'm not intimidated. No, not right? at all. You're badass. Thank you. Yeah. 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 I was, I'm not scared anymore. Don't be scared of no. me. I'm shaking under the table. But... <laughs> Mo, you're not scared of me. I'm a little intimidated. I'm trying to play it cool. But I want to know more about you. And based on this premise of the show, I want to know, you know, what life lesson did you learn the hard way that you want to share with us? Oh, so many. And it's funny because uh, I think that we all fail more than we're willing to admit. (laughs) All the time. Right? And it's learning how to embrace it. I hate calling it failure. It is a life lesson every time. And Mm -hmm. failure makes it seem like it's always a negative. And when you're in that moment, in that life lesson, you probably have friends and family and coworkers. They'll tell you, you're going to come out the other side of this and you're going to, you know, it's going to be better. Yeah. But when you're there, you're like, hell no, No. (laughs) this is the worst. Yes. I hate this. I've had so many of those moments. uh, But Megan, when you asked me that, first and foremost, what came to my mind is working in the TV business and the media business in Mm -hmm. general. Everybody will always say one thing to you. 
you're nobody in this business until you get fired. Totally. Because <laughs> it happens to everybody. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, and it doesn't, fired is, you know, that's being facetious and funny and stuff, being laid off, being downsized, being shifted out of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. The first time that happened to me, that life lesson was so hard. It was when I was at City TV hosting breakfast television with my co-host Mike Eckford, who was right. my co-host mm, for yeah. those 17 years. You guys are years. great together. Thank you. And we're still yeah. BFS. I always call him the brother I never wanted because oh. we have that kind of dynamic. <laughs> I love it. And we used to fight over who got to be Regis in their Regis. <laughs> we decided we were Regis and Regis. Right. Uh, but the first time we were let go, it was me first and then Micah a few weeks later. But the first time I was laid off, because it's a public position, you're on television, everybody knows. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I. So public. Oh, did it ever hurt? Yeah. It was like being physically kicked, even though I knew it was coming because the station was changing direction. There's writing on the wall when that's happening. You know, you just don't know when it's going to happen. Yeah. And I kind of had an instinct the day it was happening. And I joked to the poor producer who had to do it. it was like I had a sixth sense. I turned to him and I just out of nowhere, it was like a morning show. So it's like five o'clock in the morning. And yeah. I said, if you come at me with a pink slip today, I'm running for it. Oh, my God. Yeah. And he actually, I didn't know at the time, was coming to me to give me that said pink slip. What? At that moment? They were going to let me go before the show, but they did it after because I I guess I took them off guard. Whoa. (laughs) But you know know when it's going to happen, right? And it's it's natural. It's cyclical. Uh, They were just changing to more a newsy format. So the jokey, jokey, wake up laughing tagline for our version of breakfast television did not work in that scenario. So that was in 2002, 2003. I still haven't forgotten that feeling, but did I learn from it? Yes. Did it make me stronger? Yes. Did it eventually give me more confidence? Yes. Because did I land on my feet? Yes. All those things, my friends, family, everybody was trying to tell me came true. Yeah. But it takes a couple months and it is humbling. But Mm -hmm. I I was just going to say that. Yeah. Being humbled, I think, is a very important thing. Mm -hmm. Because you're kind of up on a little bit of a pedestal when you have your own show or you, you know, you've done a lot of things in your community and all of a sudden it's like, actually, no. No, we're going to take that away from you. It puts you back down to earth, that's for sure. Yeah. So I was going to ask, when that incident happened, your dismissal, effectively, how long did it take you to come to that realization that it's not that bad, you know, there's still life after that and and there's still more to do? I think it was a few months. I mean, the best thing that happened is that, uh, and this usually happens, and I was talking to somebody else in the TV industry that it happened to as well just the other day. Mm -hmm. It's a blessing because people actually know that you're available. Oh, yeah. So I was actually hired by someone else within a few months, and I wasn't allowed to tell anybody they had to put us on a retainer because they were changing the direction of the show they were doing. Oh, interesting. But they wanted to put me on hold as the host. Yeah. But it was a couple of months of really, I had friends coming over because I was bawling my eyes out. I would say a couple of months. You know, the first couple days is the hardest, but in order to get your life in order, I mean, Usually when we're at a job that we love, you don't have a resume Mm -hmm. together and getting all that like, really? What? What do I have to do? What do I do in this scenario? So I would say it was a couple of months and it was a couple of months after that. I was hired by somebody else, which once the light was at the end of the tunnel, yes, I could look at it as a positive growing experience. But in the moment for anybody, Mm -hmm. let go of any job, doesn't matter if it's in TV, radio, high profile or not, that feeling is the same for everyone, I think. Yeah. And I think, you know, even though you are a media personality and all of this is much more public, that lesson extrapolates to everyone to some degree, right? Like you are going to have 
disappointments or shortcomings in your life, but understanding that that actually might lead to new opportunities opening up or new adventures because of that, or even just the solace of knowing that, hey, you did your absolute best and at least you can hang your hat on that Yeah, because you're more likely to regret not trying or not going for it or not being authentic Mm -hmm. in that role, whether that's in a relationship or that's trying out something new and failing or whatever it is. There is solace in knowing that you did your best, right? Absolutely. Because if, I mean, you have to give everything your all. And even though we kind of knew that this was going to be happening, I didn't phone it in my last few months at that job because I loved it. Yeah, of course. Nothing would stop me from giving it everything I had. And plus, you want to, like you just said, Mo, know that you gave it everything that you could because mm-hmm. I don't look back thinking that I wanted to change anything. I gave it my all. It wasn't the right thing at the time. And yes, there is light at the end of the tunnel is the life lesson. Totally. Yeah. And believing your friends and family is so damn hard when you're so <laughs> yes. down. You're like, but please right. don't talk to me right now. <laughs> don't talk to me. Did you and Mike go to Shaw after that? We did, yes. And they wanted you guys as a team? Kind they of wanted us as a team. And cool. uh, Mike was uh, laid off I guess a month after me, it was just something they let go of all the kind of entertainment-ish talent at the time. Uh, Just because, you know, they had to compete in the news uh, here in Vancouver. It's very small Yes. pie to uh, choose from and totally. so they just changed the direction of the morning show so yes Mike uh, was available uh, about a month after <laughs> me and they did want us as a team again because as anybody knows in television or radio finding chemistry with co-hosts is like finding a needle in a haystack sure. and once you find it you keep it you cherish it and uh, you do what you can with it because I've worked with a few people and they're great talented people some of them far more talented than me but we don't it's like dating thing. when you don't have that that readable chemistry on air, your audience can tell. Yeah. One of the yeah. things you're you're saying about family and friends, I can also relate to because in moments where I feel I felt like I didn't achieve something that I really tried for or I was really let down, it's a really nice blanket, safety blanket, having those friends and family around telling you it's not that big of a deal. You did great. Don't worry about it. Like there's still more to do. And I find that that actually, as I get older, has given me more confidence to go out and completely fail at something, even if it's somewhat public or maybe not even public, but just going out and trying your best and and doing it. Because I think our mentality, especially now with social media, is just looking at everyone's highlights. And we don't see the behind the scenes stuff where people fail or people don't do well or... uh, You know, for me personally, one of my biggest dreams was to write a novel. Mm -hmm. And I wrote one, and I pitched it all over, and I had a lot of interest from different agents. It didn't get published. (laughs) Self-publish. It takes a lot of work. I looked into it. Uh, That's what I did. But I think at that moment, I was very disappointed, and I just had this amazing network of friends and family around me who had read the book, and they said, you know, it's amazing. And I even in that moment, I was like, no, it's not. And then I would look into the manuscript. I would just open up a random page and be like, no, I am proud of this work. And yeah, you know, I fell flat on my face, if we can put it that way. But I'm proud that I at least tried. I would have regretted not trying. the positive is, Mo, you've written a novel. Like, I have not. Like, that in (laughs) itself is an achievement. And I think sometimes we Mm -hmm. forget that even though it didn't get published and it didn't go the direction that you wanted, you you wrote a novel. Yeah. Yeah. That's massive. We do forget about that. And also just the hubris of thinking that you're going to be – amazing and achieve all the success 
on your first try yeah. of something, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. even though you might have done your absolute best and put in your best efforts, for most people, they don't get fame and success and all the other stuff that comes with that on their very first try. No, definitely not. So They have true. to chip away at it. And I think social media, like you said, it does get in our minds because we all share the positives. Mm-hmm. I don't share, oh, I'm a total loser today. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't achieve anything. I'm sitting here in my sweats. It's 4 p.m. I haven't washed my hair. Wait, are you saying? Oh, wait, su- I did say that yesterday. So <laughs> maybe I've little- seen you say that. <laughs> I was going to say, are you subbing me because I'm in my sweats right now? What's happening? I mean, and Fiona are like dressed to the nines here. I was actually going to say, though, in media, because nobody in my family is in media. Mm-hmm. Um, I really don't think they understand that much the entire um, industry in general. And I got laid off when I was 25. And my parents were like, oh, my God, what is she going to do? And my mom still, I think, is like, oh, my God, Megan is a freelancer. She doesn't really have a, a stable job. It, it definitely seems like the people around me don't get it. Did you find that? Absolutely. And for me, uh, despite the fact I was at Shaw for 17 years, Mm -hmm. we were contractors. So for me, the freelance life when Shaw TV ended, uh, which I guess I think was two and a half years ago. I can't remember exactly, which is actually a good thing because it means I've moved on. Yeah, (laughs) It's been 545 days and 25 seconds. (laughs) But people in my life are in the creative business. So, Mm. you know, my sister is an entrepreneur. She's completely different from me. She's a professional scuba diver. But with her and her husband, they run their own business. So the freelance entrepreneurial life is not strange. My parents also, uh, my dad was a lawyer, but he was an actor and a director. And my mom is an actor. So they get mm-hmm. it. They get it. Mm-hmm. So that's not a part of it for me, but I'm sure mm-hmm. that your mom probably thought you were nuts the day that you said you were going to go into radio. I, well, I actually said to her, um, I'm going to be famous. And she was like, <laughs> what does that mean? She went to my guidance counselor and said, I don't know what that means. And the guidance counselor says, it means she wants to be creative. She wants to do you know, acting or whatever. It means mm-hmm. she's kind of because <laughs> I believe creative she people already knew that. were all a little bit nuts, and that's oh my God. what makes us charming. At least I try and tell people that. Yeah, that's the Because it is crazy. It's fly by the seat of your pants. And, and since I left Shaw, it's been full freelance. I mean, when I left there, mm-hmm. uh, thankfully, I had a little bit of a cushion of time with yeah. money in the bank to try and figure things out of what direction I was going to go into. But because of the changing landscape in television and media in general and radio, too, mm-hmm. I I thought I was thinking, well, maybe I should change careers. Mm -hmm. And I thought that way because I thought maybe I should get a quote unquote real Real job, job. a stable job, something that I don't know has benefits. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, right. I hear those. You get paid regularly. Vacation time. I don't get it. And I I looked at because I had to redo my resume and I looked at it and I thought, why would somebody hire me when I have 20 plus years doing what I do as a TV host and producer? That's who I am. It's what I did because I felt it was my passion and it's never stopped. Mm -hmm. It's just changed. People still want the content we create. We just have to push it out differently. And that's why we're doing a podcast right now. Sure. Yeah. Right. It's just the changing landscape of how people consume things. And it took me a while to kind of figure that out and think, okay, I just need to change the way I think. Yes. The industry is kind of changing around us all the time now, and you still have to be moldable and adaptable to what is happening. Yeah. Yeah. And it's scary. I told Mo this before we started that um, 
I've, I'm freelance and I have been for a number of years, but at a certain point, a few months ago, I literally was like, I don't know what to do. And you started working at the a place that I work at, Investment Pitch Media. And um, I just emailed Fiona. And I was like, Fiona, can I just like sit and talk to you? Because like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. Please tell me I gave you some good Oh my advice. God. It'd be really awkward to find out <laughs> no. now. And, and it was terrible. And it was just yeah. weird. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was awesome. And it was like, exactly what I needed and no one else had sat there and talked to me and told me all of that stuff and and made me feel um, confident and excited about being a freelancer and and giving me hope even I almost felt like af- after I was done the meeting I said to someone I was like oh my god I really needed that You're I really needed cry. It. Thank oh. you. <laughs> it was awesome like honestly I felt so good after I met you and I was like well, I love Fiona. So when we did the podcast, I think we were both talking about mm-hmm. it. We were like, let's get Fiona on. Oh, thanks. Yeah. That yeah. really means a lot to me because I have in that position been in that position many times in my career where I doubt myself. Mm-hmm. And that's the worst thing that you can do because say you have an audition the next day for the dream job, you're in a place of self-doubt. Mm-hmm. You're never going to be able to be yourself or get that gig because people can read through that. Yeah. yeah. You, know, yeah. you have to have that inner confidence. Totally. Do you find that you can stop that or turn that off. I find when it comes to self-doubt, it's just a passenger that's always going to be there and you kind of have to turn the volume down on it and Mm -hmm. push through Mm -hmm. as opposed to trying to completely extract it out of your life. Yeah, I think you'd be a psychopath. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know. My my mind's going to Dexter. I don't know if you guys watched that show. It was about a serial killer with the dark passenger. But I do think about that sometimes because it is is with you when you're in a place of Mm self-doubt. All of us have that. You can't completely... I mean, pushing down your feelings is the worst Probably thing. Probably not healthy. Not healthy, yeah. right? It's there. But can I take that stuff out of my head and and, and be in a confident place? Yes. And yeah. I have to do weird things where I talk to myself and thank gosh, my dog is very understanding when I do that. <laughs> but you really have to just um, shift your mentality yeah. for that moment. You're turning the volume up on something else and sort of turning the volume yeah. down on that. And that's learning from those failures, right? Yeah. It's just they, they're there and it's embracing that and trying to be confident is one thing being confident is another yeah you know and it's just you have that in you and you just need to i sound so flaky i want to punch myself in the face no, you no, just no, have to find right. it you just have to find that confidence and i have to do that sometimes because i was telling megan when we were over text i i do things that scared the bejesus out of me all the time mm-hmm. yeah. because i feel like that's what i need to do to achieve what i want to achieve yes. do i like being scared sweaty and nervous and my heart racing at 100 miles an hour before i do something yeah no but <laughs> is that i when i teach tv hosting it that adrenaline that we have of fear is actually the same adrenaline that we have as excitement and it's Mm -hmm. all about pushing it in a different direction Mm -hmm. and I found myself in a position where I was so scared to step on the stage to do something that I wanted to run again and this was just a couple years ago (laughs) really and I had to give myself the talk that I give people to get in that place in my head because it was I was asked and I was so honored to speak at UBC which is my alma mater Mm -hmm. this was the first time they had asked me back I'm like Oh my God! They'll even admit I went here. <laughs> and I just make, don't I make it? And yeah. 
And it was the culmination of their 100th year anniversary at the Chan Center. And not only did I have to give a talk on the future and this kind of thing, then I had to introduce William Shatner and interview him in front of a bunch of people that are really smart. Yeah, <laughs> And the introduction that, uh, I forget who was on the stage, I want to say it was the dean, but whoever gave me the introduction was kind of like you guys talking about me right now. It made me feel so weird. I'm like, that's not me. I'm not that person. I, and it's imposter syndrome. Right. I felt like, why am I here? I felt like I didn't have the right to be in that place at that time and I wasn't good enough. And I'm like, Fiona, they asked you here. And I'm here, like, this is my, like, the devil on one shoulder, the angel on the other. Yeah. I shouldn't be here. Yes, you should. And I was like, oh, my God, I want to run it. And my heart was right. I was really just, like, in the moment. I can't do this. Right. And I forget my own name in those situations. (laughs) Isn't that the worst? The mind blank? And you're like, uh, uh, uh. Yeah, and I'm like, no. You're here. You got to do it. And then they said, here's Fiona Forbes. I'm like, oh, God. (laughs) I just find it crazy that however many media people I meet, and I meet more and more as I continue, this is Van Culler, they keep saying that they have imposter syndrome. And I'm like, wait, that never goes away? That's still, even if you're on TV or radio all the time, that never for me, it doesn't. I don't know about other people, yeah. but I think that um, that's just part of who I am. It just I'm... seems a common story as well, right? Yeah. Like, and I think it's pretty that's normal. That's like another said, dark passenger. Yeah. <laughs> we're crazy. Like, people who are media are a little bit crazy, and we're not normal mentally, you know? <laughs> so I think that's why we're not as, like, good crazy. stable. Yeah, a good crazy. Yeah. <laughs> we're not maybe as, um, as confident as people might think, but we love the job so much that I know for me, I fake it till I make it all the time and I'm scared to death, but I want to do it so badly that I just do it. And you know what? I was going to say this to you. Would you, it would be terrible to have a life where you didn't have that fear slash excitement feeling. You know what I mean? Like you would just not ever have that. There would be no challenging. Like clocking in and clocking out. Yeah. Yeah. How boring would that be? Can I label what what I think that is? What? I think that's vulnerability. Yeah. And I think that all good things stem from being vulnerable. I Whether that's relationships or career or anything worthwhile in your life, it's that act of putting yourself out there and kind of seeing what happens, right? And oftentimes it's magic. Mind blown. <laughs> it's Vulnerability. true. Yeah. It's true. And you're so vulnerable in those moments. And that is when you're your true self. Mm-hmm. And to succeed in media, being in front of the camera, or in front of the mic, what people are looking for is you. Yeah, They're not looking for a type of personality. And I think a lot of times people in our industry we can forget that and we try and be somebody that we're not, but that's yes. not why you're there. Right. Yeah. And you have to be vulnerable to show your true self. So yeah. I 100% agree with that. And, and I know it's hard. It's I know anybody hard. who knows Fiona Forbes is going to be up on stage is excited to see you. Oh, thank and you. Knows and thinks that you know exactly what you're doing and you're going to get that interview out there. I mean, 25,000 interviews? Come on. That's unreal. It is. And we did, like, okay, there's a reason why. I took an art story. I can't really do math. Mike and I, Mike Eckford and I did the calculation on that. Maybe more, maybe less, but it's around that market. That's crazy. 20-some-on years. I wish I could say I remember every single interview, but sometimes somebody will remind me that they interviewed me and tell me the story of how it was such a wonderful thing. I'm just so glad I've had the opportunity to do that because the shows that we did... 
we did have a lot of celebrities on, yes, and mm-hmm. I have interviewed a lot of famous people, but sometimes it was just the average Joe or Jane that came on the show and told the story. Uh, you know, yeah, 100%. Just, I love being a part of that p- people's lives that way. Yeah. Yeah, it's a true honor. 25,000 are in that ballpark. That's incredible. <laughs> no, it's weird. And the, the range of interviews you must have done. Like you said, you have those high-profile celebrities, but then also someone telling their mm-hmm. very personal story, and that's a big moment in their life to mm-hmm. be on TV or radio. Yeah, and they'll never forget those five, ten minutes that they were there, and it's just so nice to have They're have probably that. so nervous to do their interview with Fiona. <laughs> and I would tell that people, and I still do a lot of the times, because some people are very nervous going on camera, and I have to tell them that's totally normal. I'm nervous. And they'll say, yeah. you are? Yes. Because yeah. one thing that my dad always told me is that if you're not nervous – you don't really care about what you're doing enough. Mm. Yeah. And he said every actor who's stepping like in the wings, waiting to go on stage should be nervous and probably is because they're passionate about what they're about to do. Yes. And it goes back to embracing those nerves as not a negative. It's actually being excited. Yeah. <clears throat> it's interesting because I think the culture is actually changing in terms of what resonates with people. I think the overly polished, smooth talker, doesn't have the same appeal anymore Mm -hmm. in media. And people are starting to resonate more with people who seem to be authentic or seem to be, you know, speaking from the heart or or from a place where it's really meaningful. Absolutely. I agree with that, too. I was watching um, a clip of Ellen DeGeneres' show came Mm -hmm. up. And, I, you know, and I think that's why she's had such longevity doing what she does. And even though the landscape of daytime television has changed so much that she's still there because she's a dork. Yeah. She is not necessarily polished. She's absolutely brilliant at what she does, Mm -hmm. but she's not overly rehearsed. And in that regard, she gets real stories out of people. And I I love that. And that's why I always mentioned Regis Philbin as being one of the icons I looked up to because the way he interviewed people was a conversation that you felt like you were eavesdropping on with a couple of friends. And that's what I always try to accomplish. I don't know if I always do, but it's what, you know, having that authentic, real, not you can tell somebody has a list of five questions. Yeah, that's I must the worst. ask question number four now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and it goes back to that idea of chemistry as well. You yeah. can't like script chemistry. Mm-hmm. It either it's is there. conveyed or it's not. Mm-hmm. And some interviews will be a struggle, I'm guessing, and some will be awesome. Yes, and that was the that is the great thing of having a co-host when you're doing yes. something because when you're doing live television and you get someone it might be nerves or it might be that they just got picked to do the interview, they don't really want to do it and they give yes and no answers. Having a co-host, you can kind of use that and use your chemistry to make it through the 3 minutes or 5 minutes what probably feels like 5 hours yeah. when somebody yeah. doesn't want to be interviewed. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, sometimes interviews can fall flat and there's nothing that you can do. Again, yeah. it's embracing that yeah. and doing what you can with it. It's with the tools you have. Yeah. yeah. I saw it happen to Oprah with a, like Elizabeth Taylor, I think it was. Really? Yeah. It was terrible. <laughs> terrible. Okay, and Elizabeth look, Taylor. I have to look that up. Yeah. I think it was Elizabeth Taylor. I'll, I'll let you guys know. But she apologized to Oprah afterwards. <sighs> because See, people have off days too. Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. Definitely. I need to ask, um, will you and Mike ever like get back together to <laughs> host a, maybe a podcast? Or We or talked something? about it a few years ago. Mm. Uh, Mike, uh, he calls it self-imposed uh, retirement. Right. He is really oh. in a happy place right now being a stay-at-home dad. Oh, cool. And spending time with his family because I think that uh, there's a lot of 
parents who could relate to his position. He worked so much for so long mm-hmm. that he felt like he hadn't give time back, given time back to his children or his wife. Right. And so he is in such a happy place that uh, we've talked about it. If the right, we always say, if the right thing came up at the right time, absolutely. Right. Uh, but he's in a good place. I'm in a good place. But we text all the time and we don't know. Maybe. May- it's a definite answer. maybe. <laughs> a definite yes. maybe. Um, I have one more question that I really want to ask is about um, Regis. Yes. Where did you meet him and what did he say and all of this cool stuff? It's funny because I think the most intimidating thing for anybody is interviewing an interviewer who is your icon. You replicated the format of their show because you love it so much. And all of a sudden he was coming to Vancouver. I think it was about 10 years ago, I want to say. Oh, wow. But he was doing his, he had a traveling show. This is when he was still Regis and Kelly, Regis. Yeah. Okay. And uh, he was doing a show that he did with his wife, uh, a live uh, show, just talking about his career. And he came to, I think, the River Rock. And... uh, uh, so Mike and I knew that we were going to interview our idol and we oh had to go God. out to the River Rock and talk about two kids in a candy store who were freaking out with excitement. That'd be so fun. Terrified. Yes, and terrified. Regis. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was on a tight time schedule, of course. So he took the time. He We did a 10-minute 10, 15 minute interview with him. And then afterward, he said the kindest thing. He said, you kids have it. You have Mm. that thing that people look for. Don't let that go. And he did say, you've got something kid or something to me. I can't remember the words exactly, but I do have it on YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) And then the thing was, like Mike and I, we always did a thing when the interview went well. We'd always high five each other. We're high fiving the shit out of each other. After. <laughs> like we interviewed the interviewing icon, and it went well, and he loved, and he loved us. us. Yeah. And then the Monday morning on his show, we weren't expecting this, but he said to read or he said to Kelly, he goes, "So I went up to Vancouver." You know, the way he talks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. can't do it. Um, oh, yeah. And then we went to his show that night. He gave Mike and I a shout out during the show. Oh, cool. I got interviewed by the people who are the best interviewers in town. But then on Monday morning on a show, he's like, Kelly, I got to tell you a story. I went to Vancouver. I got to interview these two kids and blah, blah, blah. And he gave us a shout out on the show saying that we were good at wh- wow. what we did. And I'm like, okay. Done. <laughs> Life has Drop been. The mic. Yeah. Yeah. What a gift. My life is complete. Yeah, that was fun. Incredible. Yeah. That is a gift. But that's why I like to just to bring it full circle. I like to do things that scare the crap out of me because it would I would not be doing things like that if yeah. I couldn't yeah. face my fears of I mean yeah. my original fears that I couldn't do public speaking. I couldn't talk to strangers. I couldn't talk. I would have panic attacks. Wait, your original fear from... That was my original fear. When you were growing up? That's because you were dared to do this because you were scared. Going full circle to Megan's introduction, yeah. I was actually in my fourth year at UBC and I was taking a history degree with plans to go to law school because my dad was a very successful lawyer. I just thought, well, I should do what my dad does. So Mm -hmm. I was going to go to law school and he said to me in the kindest way possible... Fiona, you have thought through that you have to speak in front of a courtroom because I'm not joking. Like when I'm saying panic attacks, I'm not being facetious. I would have anxiety attacks when I had to do class presentations. Wow. And the last one that I did before I talked to my dad about this, I'll never forget it. I was in fourth year. I was doing a presentation in my international relations class and my papers were shaking so badly nobody could hear me. And I 
literally had an anxiety attack and I had to go home. And I told my dad and I was like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. And he said, take a broadcasting course or an acting class and learn public speaking because you're going to have to do it. And I did. And on the first night of that class, there was a posting for an audition to host a television show. This is back in the day when a posting meant a poster on the wall, <laughs> by the way. It wasn't on social media. And my dad said, go to the audition. That is the worst case of fears any human ever has is going to an audition. Am I right, Megan? Uh, yes, you are right. Yeah. So I went to the audition to face my fears of public speaking. Yeah. And I was doing it as an exercise not to get the job. I wasn't even really clear on what the job was. But I guess going back to what you said, Mo, I was my true self mm -hmm. because I was in the moment trying to be me, just trying to do what I had to do in the audition. Yeah. I got the job. And a week later, I was hosting a one hour live television show and I had no idea what I was doing. That is insane. What was this? What channel was this on? It was what? on Rogers. It oh. was just one of the community programs, but it's how I got my start. And I said to my dad when I got home that, of course, he watched. And he said, how did it go? And I, like, I was terrible, let's be honest. Yeah. I had no idea. When I said I had no idea. But I loved it the minute I was there. Yeah. And, and I was so scared to tell my dad that I didn't want to go to law school anymore that I had found my passion. Yeah. And um, he was happy for me. He, yeah. You know, he passed away 20 years ago. I wish he could see me now, but he was pushing, with hindsight, he was pushing me in the direction he thought I should go in because he mm. knew I wanted to be a lawyer because he was. Right. And he could see that wasn't going to make me happy. And I got over my public speaking fear by doing that. And thank God that also was not on social media, those shows, because I was terrible. <laughs> but it's how I got my story. We need to find it, Mo. I know. We need we'll to find do some clips. deep digging. Well, the most wonderful thing is my dad, they're all on VHS tapes. Oh, but he kept God. all of them and taped all all of them. But then that turned into where I found the audition to host the show I eventually hosted with Mike Eckford. Yeah. So it all was serendipity and it was putting myself in a place of fear that I thought I would fail, yeah. that I ended up getting the career that is where I was meant to be. Yeah. So that was my big life lesson. And I just oh, wanna, you can do oh, it. That was good. <laughs> and I, I want to highlight something in that life lesson as well. You're talking about being in that audition and you didn't care about the job. You were just trying to do this as an exercise. And I think that detachment and letting go of what's going to happen or what the outcome's going to be is also really important because oftentimes we get caught up in, oh, I want this end goal mm -hmm. without recognizing the magic that can be happened in the process. And that becomes your dark passenger right. that builds that wall where you're not you. Yeah. And I'll never forget it. I had a cold when I did that audition. <laughs> And I sneezed during the audition. But rather than pretending that I didn't or asking to start again, I totally made a joke and embraced it yeah. and said, oh. oh, my gosh, I'm sick as a dog. Oh, you know, and just yeah. was goofy. Ad and I learned from that because I was just me yeah. instead of being embarrassed or, oh, my God, I can't do it. Because I've seen Megan at a couple auditions like you yeah. can freak yourself out. Yes. And the people are <laughs> staring at you with zero expression on their face, just like mm -hmm, uh -huh. mm -hmm, just watching. Yeah. I've done in judgment. hundreds of auditions and still that freaks me out. I try not to look at them. And I, I really try and do. get in that head space yeah. of where I was then when I am going to an audition, not thinking about the job. You're actually there because the casting direction the directors have a puzzle piece and you're that puzzle piece. Yeah. And if you can be the person that you want to be, which is you, that's why you're there. Yeah. Not a cookie cutter or something you think you should be. You have a way better ch chance of achieving what they want you to. They want you to, to succeed despite the fact they stare at us in yeah. judgment. <laughs> they yeah. actually want to find the right person. They've probably just seen 100 and you're number 101. Yeah. It's like, mm -hmm. okay. They're over it.
Yeah. What are we going to see now? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. I think that's a great way to wrap up our first episode. I think so, too. Fiona, how do people follow you on social media? At Fiona Forbes. At Fiona Forbes. At Fiona Forbes. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Instagram. Uh, somehow I got all my handles. Yeah. Which I did not get on TikTok. Oh. What, what's Someone your name on TikTok? Well. I can't even remember when I made it because I'm too old for TikTok. It's I just Forbes. always try and grab my name. Yeah, yeah. Because there is a Smart. famous folk singer in the UK named Fiona Forbes. So I always try and grab everything. Oh. Oh. You think it's a common name or not a common name until you're then in the UK. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Maybe that folk singer has your TikTok. Oh, maybe she does. <laughs> We're going to hunt her down. Uh, but you guys, thank you so much for having me. Honestly, when Megan asked and said what it was, I'm like, I'm in. But yes. I also, as I told you guys uh, behind the scenes before we began, I am the most uncomfortable when I'm talking about myself. And you guys made it an absolute pleasure. Oh, good. You <laughs> yes. seemed very chill. Thank yeah. you. I, yeah. was I was sweaty and weird at the beginning, but I got over it. That's why we don't have video. <laughs> Just <telling Yeah>. you. <laughs> thank you so much for coming, though. Thanks, Thanks for being our first guest. And in case you forgot, I am Mo Amir. And I'm Megan Edwards. And you can take it from us. You can learn the hard way. Or you can get your shit together. 